Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Six Seasons in a Movie by Pictures of June, featuring my friend Wilder Mouton on guitar and vocals. The song is from their new EP called Ghost of the Feast, which you can find on streaming services now. In, in Bloomington, Indiana, where I'm generally from, where I say I'm from, and my band is from. But in reality, I was I was born here, and then we moved for the first eight years of my life to a place called Granville in Ohio. And that's where I would say I was like, that the early raising happened, and, you know, by the time I was sentient, my parents had gotten divorced, and so, like, my dad was living on one side of town, my mom was living on the other, and we kind of be like split up throughout the week. So it was a very, uh, it was like suddenly shifting worlds going between my mom's kind of like lower economic bracket poverty lifestyle versus uh, a slightly higher standard of like, my dad was a professor and my mom was like a school teacher. So it just wasn't equal. So this, uh, this, this strange binary in my brain kind of already occurred where it's like, well, I'm kind of floating on the edge of poverty and fake poverty all the time, and it feels very strange and transient. Mm-hmm. Did, you was, stay, uh, did you stay with one parent more than the other? Or? I would say uh, in the beginning, when, when everyone still lived in Ohio altogether, it was, it was equal. It was like... Every it was like three days and four days, and then it would that would switch off every week, so it oh right stayed balanced. It was like very carefully balanced. Oh, okay. Did yeah. You, do you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, I have an older sister who was going through everything I was going through at the same time, and yeah. they uh they they've adapted they adapted and grew and did what they did as well as I did. How how much older? Uh, four years. <laughs> four Just, years. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we like just always avoided being in school together, which was just too bad because neither of us had any friends in the town we grew up in. There was like our our family was basically the laughing stock because we were all uh, like we we were the the family that had the divorce and the family that didn't have very much money and the family that supported Obama and oh was you know, it the hippy dippy weird ones? Was it a like a an upper class like? town mostly or yeah it was like a really privileged town it was really really fucking weird like because it was a college town just but like not, but not yeah. like in a liberal sense right like no you're, you're talking about like uh people mocking you for uh like you know your family supporting yeah. obama and stuff so like yeah this is this it was is just... a different kind of uh middle class or whatever than people might be thinking of yeah. Yeah. No. It, it was the kind of it was the it was like the photo educated middle class. This this weird 
like middle line between like traditional and educated. So they were just very like self-assured and set in their ways in this really horrifying thing. And there was also just like a big religious bent. Like everyone in the town was very Christian heavy handedly. And my family was very, fairly adamantly non-religious. So we had a lot of heat for that. It was just like, I don't know. It was, it was a very strange kind of dystopic place where it just seemed like all the all the worst of the worst that couldn't be tolerated in any other kind of academic institution at all come to this one little college town to be evil there altogether. What college is there? Uh, Denison University. Okay. Which, uh, Steve Carell went there. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's the one claim to fame. That there is. The that's, one. That's it. That's the one. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's wild. Um, so you... So like it's it's just a Repub- really Republican place basically. Um, yeah, it was super conservative. Yeah, and when you were growing up, like, did you just like hang out with your uh, with your older sibling like all the time? We were pretty close. Yeah, it was a you know they kind of had their circle. And I had my circle of friends. So like, I don't know. It wasn't we we definitely like trusted in each other more than we were able to trust to anyone else. Mm-hmm. I kind of learned how to have friends at a distance because they'd be my friends one minute and then like down talking my family to me and to everyone else the next minute. And my sister had the same experience. So we were both just kind of shell shocked by the, all these friendships that we invested in that didn't mean anything. And then we were just like, well, we have each other and, we're both miserable and everyone in my family is miserable here. So yeah, just kind of kind of band together against the heavy handed conservatism and the, and the just aggressive level of artificiality. Yeah. And since of... then it's kind of changed there, but so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say that like grand is as conservative as it was because the last time I went there, it was different, but oh, just, huh. just a clear thing in the modern sense. It's a little bit more modern now, I think. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you um, like find solace in as a kid? What kind of stuff interests you and, and distract you from you know everything that was going on? Yeah, well, I mean, when I was like a when I was a really little kid, I was pretty ignorant to the whole of my own misery and how bad it was there. Like, I I didn't wake up and realize that we were like crucified in that town until after we had left. And after we moved, that's when I really realized that I was like, I had gone through some turmoil because it started, you know, I almost had like a Stockholm relationship with the town. So once we had moved out, it was like, felt like I just had nothing. And that's when I started really like getting more and more into music and just listening to it constantly, developing almost like a crutch level of habit of it. Just like constantly having the earbuds in from like, I don't know, grade four, five. Yeah. But what, but like, you don't have to necessarily be um, conscious of like the things that you take upon yourself to like serve as distractions from like a, and an imperfect or, or, or like, you know, unhappy like childhood or whatever. Like, um, so was there, was there anything that you, you can look back on now and you're like, you know, before music that you were, you know, you, you just like took, took comfort in, 
in this instead of, you know, what other people do, like social sports and stuff like that? Yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I was pretty locked up in my own imagination. I was very, like, just kind of running around playing Star Wars with, you know, sticks of little laser guns, that kind of thing. I was like... Just kind of projecting this reality that was from the things they had seen, as opposed to the actual experiences I was having, and so it was like I was just kind of freewheeling it, like not really in that in touch with what was happening around me. I think that's kind of how I dealt with a lot of things. Then, as I was just like accepting it as on as face value and just letting my imagination run wild, because there was a, there was so much so much just a like anxiety in the house and then everyone in the town was always so like pent up that like I was just kind of getting out of that and getting into my own brain and my own thoughts and being like, Oh, today I'll be a knight and tomorrow I'll be <laughs> maybe not in this town, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said, you know, it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't too long until you like really started uh, getting like, invested in in music like as a a big part of your life like um did you like what kind of um music did your parents listen to and stuff around the house oh yeah uh it was it was interesting my my dad played a lot of music out loud from here when i was a kid he generally had music on it was a lot of like <clears throat> it was like a lot of hip-hop when i was a kid so oh, yeah. he was playing a lot of like mf doom and uh, a lot of, like, I don't know, it was kind of just went with whatever phase of music my dad was in. So, like, at the time, when I was young, he was getting really into, like, like Latinx rap Okay. at the time. So I remember listening to a lot of, like, Hispanic hip-hop when I was a kid. And then I go to my mom's, and we generally have the radio on. And she liked to keep things to the 80s, so it was a lot of, like... Smiths and Susie and the Banshees and those kinds of things, you know. Also, like, modern things like Coldplay. I remember having some memories to Beyonce, like, when I was really early. That was just, like, just really connecting with the, with the, with the soul, the soul passion of it without it even being, like, music I would necessarily like. You're just the, the passion for something that I admired, like, uh-huh. Because I felt kind of listless as a kid. Like, nothing was really drawing my attention. I wasn't very good at anything. So just having, experiencing other people being good at things and caring about them, like, made me realize that there's a lot to to focus on and to bring yourself into in this world, which is interesting. Yeah. Did you, while you were, like, um, discovering music, like, in these different ways, were you in any kind of music pro- um, programs at school? or uh, I mean, I wasn't in any music school music programs until middle school when I joined the concert band. But once that happened, I mean, I was like, I don't know. That's that's when I started playing music. I, like, picked up a saxophone, and I was like, well, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Like, so I'll read the notes and do that thing, and, and then there was also a, a rock band program at that school where there was like, they encouraged you to like find some friends and learn a couple of rock covers. And at the end of the year, there was like a show where all the like little kid bands 
like all played on the stage. And I remember I was in a, I was in a band and we covered a Ramones song. Okay. What song did you cover? That was like, it was Blitzkrieg Bop. Of course, right? That was, <laughs> yeah, that was the one. Standard. I didn't, I didn't like the Ramones at the time. I don't really like the Ramones now, but it was a lot easier than any other song. And I never learned how to play guitar. So they took me off of it and I did the vocals. Yeah. Did, um, so you didn't, you didn't play guitar. You, I was going to ask, like, did, you know, was it, was it like YouTube tutorials, like watching like playthroughs or something? Um, or, uh, did Jack Black just come down there and teach y'all how to, <laughs> how to do the song? Or, um, oh yeah. It was almost more like kind of this miracle Jack Black figure. Cause my band instructor was very, enthusiastic about teaching everyone guitar because he was a guitar player and wanted like you know wanted the kids to figure it out so like he was the one that taught me that you put multiple strings down and strum them all at once to make a chord i didn't know that that's how that could work so he definitely had a lot of like bearing over like look a guitar and you can play it and this kind of how but i didn't it didn't really stick with me but I loved playing it so much that I kind of kept sitting around with it and plucking at it and messing with it and playing it until I kind of figured out what to do in some sense. I didn't get any, I didn't watch any YouTube tutorials. I never had any like formal training of any kind because it just didn't seem like I was going to do that or I was going to get anything out of it. I just couldn't stop playing the guitar. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've told the story more than a few times, but, you know, like when I was just getting a guitar for the first time, there was, you know, there was no YouTube tutorial. It was just a guy that worked at my uncle's restaurant that came over and showed me a guitar chord and was like, yeah, I guess you I guess you got it now. But uh, <laughs> it was just it was just a guy that smelled like carved meats. And uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> maybe in a greasy apron straight after a shift. Um, me in the barcode. Uh, uh, here you go. Um, so when did you when did you get a guitar? Well, uh, I I got my guitar in uh, in middle school. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a hand me down from my mom's from my mom, who had like tried to learn guitar to be in a band and it didn't work. But so it was like this this super clunky family heirloom guitar that was like a it was a korean made stratocaster that was like ridiculously heavy and never really worked and so when i would take it to the rock band practices at middle in middle school they would all make fun of me for having a broken guitar and made me feel bad <laughs> did it they were just like short out or like yeah i mean it's like the pickups just didn't work oh. so like that's a really jiggle the pickups in place to like get the wiring to touch the right way i still haven't fixed it so it's like oh you still have it kind of weighing on my yeah i do yeah yeah you got you have to at this point you know you just i know it's like that's the heirloom guitar it's 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 just gone such a long way without ever being used properly (laughs) i'd love to worked properly yeah you know, yeah, like you could fix that up and find out it's like amazing or something. That'd be wild. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's got to have some some bearing, some use in some way yeah. for a heavy guitar. Maybe it'll have a heavy ass tone. Yeah, I always th- I always think it's interesting when you you know when you have enough 
like time and space between uh, this and that um, in reference to like gear and stuff, you see these weird, you see kind of like weird phenomena. Like, you know, there's, there's a time back in like the early 2000s, for example, like when um, you could get a, a, like those acoustic like bass heads, you could get those, like people would pack, practically pay you to take them. Like Whoa. You'd, you'd get these awesome acoustic bass heads uh, and you'd, you'd pay like 30, 40 bucks for one, you know? And then uh, by the time 2000s, you know, tens and whatnot rolled around, people were like, hey, wait, these are actually fucking nice. These are actually sound good. And then there were some of them that were like way, way more sought after than others. But then like all of them kind of became revered, you know? And um, oh yeah, yeah, it's the same thing <clears throat> with, you know, like um, with some of these like old PVE, like uh, PA uh heads and stuff that people use oh, yeah. for guitars and stuff. Like people used to just be like, oh, those things are, you know, they're not even worth like having as a yeah. PA head. And then people are like, you just didn't know how to use it or it didn't work right or, you know. I don't know. It's really interesting following these things. It's like, Oh, it totally is. I mean, yeah. like so many things. I mean, PV in general was given like a terrible rap for making like bar essentially bargain equipment for everyone. Like, and then people realize it's like, well, it might be made cheap, but it's also, like, indestructible. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, like, the, the resurgence of the PV T60, everyone can talk about how they see T60s, it shows suddenly, and that's probably a development from the last, like, 15, 20 years. I mean... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, another... Um, another, like, tangent on that same like idea about like gear is is just how every once in a while like some company that you might like just write off altogether will make something really awesome like there's that company first act that made like oh yeah those guitars that they sold to walmart and stuff but then apparently there's a couple of those guitars like spe very specific series or whatever that are like practically fucking like Les Paul quality and it's oh my like, god yeah like uh Plague Walker's guitar player Kevin like Kevin has oh, one wow. and oh wow yeah yeah he brought it to practice one time and I was like what are you doing you can just use one of my guitars <laughs> like I, I was just like why why do you have that you don't and have to use the first act it's okay like, nah this guitar is fucking sick and he you know plugs it into his his mesa and through, through Marshall 412 and I was like that actually is ah, sick I damn I take that back but um <laughs> never mind yeah 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 I mean Carry like on. the uh, rest of Julian Carter uses the first act yeah Mike, it's like Matt the same Pike one from Iron Fire yeah I, I, that it is I mean, sure it's like yeah they, um I think that when we played with them they were both talking about that <laughs>
Yeah, anyway, so you were like getting into music, you know, on your own and you were you were just like you just had to have it all the time. Like what stuff were you really like first getting like obsessed with? What what bands and stuff? Yeah. Before I mean it started off with like Eminem and like dubstep and garbage, but like very quickly I got really into uh into my my dad was kinda like he he sent me an MP3 player with like music that he liked on it that he thought I might like, based around me liking things like Nirvana. And so I started getting really into like a couple of the specific bands that were on that that were like really disjointed noise rock bands like Wolf Eyes. Okay. I started listening to like noise music and got really into that when I was pretty young. So it was like a lot of like. Like, I got really obsessed with Nirvana, obsessed with Dead Kennedys, like, all into the punk, minor threat. And then, like, like it kind of broke for me when I found, like, Fugazi, and I was like, oh, there's, like, weirder punk. There's, like, punk that goes a little further with the sound and a little less blatant in the lyrics. Like, it gets more interesting. So I started getting really into, like, Fugazi, and then from there, Unwound, and, like, 90s post-hardcore kick. So the first music that like I really got a passion for was like that like '90s noise rock, post hardcore like Unwound and Rodan and Juno Forty Four and like Flint. That's awesome. Were you playing guitar like at that time when you were discovering those uh, bands, or is that when you you just were still really young and just like <laughs> listening? It was kind of on and off. Oh. I remember like listening to music and loving it a lot, and then going to my guitar and plugging it in and strumming it, and being like, "Well, why even bother? Like, this yeah. is just impossible." Sure. So, like, I stopped playing for like a year. Also, the guitar I had, the electric, was completely busted. So, my only guitar was like a, a children's acoustic guitar that was like really tiny for me, and I couldn't quite get my fingers on the frets without them like muting the strings it was just such a pain to play it but eventually got to the point where I just kept playing it anyway because I was like I just gotta keep actually playing and it wasn't until I got my first guitar first actual guitar which was like my freshman year of high school that it just like took off okay. it really took off so you were like you were like you know trying to play like your your various guitars and stuff but did you already have like did you already have it in your head that, you know, you're going to be in a band and you're going to like be writing your own songs and stuff like that? It was, it was kind of in my head. Like I definitely had a pension, like, like a, a bug in my ass about wanting to like write my own music and not ever learn anyone else's music. I want to just play my own stuff and learn my own stuff and have it be like a self-made self-taught process. So it was very, I I didn't even like a band band terms because I felt kind of hopeless because I didn't know anyone else at the time that was really passionately getting into music. But I figured like, hey, maybe one day people will play music with me. That'll be cool. One of these days. Yeah. Did you? I felt very doomed, but I definitely was like kind of trying to hold hope that it would happen one day. Yeah. Now you said you didn't want to learn other people's songs like you just wanted to just write your own songs with <clears throat> Did you think that um 
Do you think learning other people's songs was like counterproductive or was there a more specific reason why you didn't like, you know, try to like uh, follow, you know, follow along with what other people are doing while you were trying to figure out your own process? Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure exactly why I had that thought process. And when I look back on it, I kind of think it was more insecurity than anything because I just had, like, no idea how to read a tab. I, I, I never learned chords. I was just, like, just looking at the whole thing confused me. The few songs I, like, tried to learn to cover really early, like, I'd go in and look up, like, a tab, and all they would have were chords, and then I wouldn't ever try to learn the chords, and then I gave up. Yeah. And just kept playing it. So, like, every time I tried... It made me super frustrated, and so I feel like I just used that frustration to make my own music. So, you know, I definitely think that learning other people's songs is incredibly helpful for learning how to play your instrument. And I eventually did learn a couple of riffs that, like, taught me how to write riffs. But I don't know. I think I used my frustration at not being able to figure it out as a conduit for it making me better at the instrument, so kind of works the same in a backhanded way. <laughs> yeah, I mean I didn't ever I didn't ever like think to myself, "Oh, I don't want to learn other people's songs." I I found it really helpful to learn other people's songs because it made me like really uh focus on like separating the different tones within one thing. You know, so like when oh, I, yeah. because like I can re remember, like it feels like I can remember anyway. You know, memory's tricky, but um, it feels oh, like yeah. I can remember the specific time when I was able to differentiate like a guitar part from a bass part. You know, and that's like <laughs> something you're not like that's something you're not necessarily like cognizant of you know you're just oh, no. hearing yeah. a song you're hearing almost just the whole song like at yeah. once your whole life and then totally. you're like you just you zoom in on one thing and so yeah. i found like, oh there's a guitar in there yeah and yeah then I can... and then eventually like through that same process you know of examination and just being like taking that a step further to where you without even necessarily know it you're you know where the bass drum hit is and you know where the snare drum hit is and you know, you know, and so you just, yeah. it's like a way of being analytical about, you know, music oh, yeah. you know, in a stream of consciousness, like kind totally, of Totally, yeah. Um, it's that listening process where you just listen to it so much that the pieces almost divide of their own accord because it's all making sense to you in a subconscious way. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I definitely did... I definitely did for a very long time have a a real um, aversion to learning anything about like theory or whatever because I thought like it would I thought that having these I thought that what it would tell you is that there are rules to doing these things certain ways and I thought that you know knowing these rules would be some kind of blockade to yeah uh uninhibited like expression you know and i mean yeah i think i don't know because i've still never 
done it, but I mean, I'm not like, I don't feel like, oh, you shouldn't do that because of the things I formerly thought. I just still never have. And I don't, I think at this point, I'm just like, not that I'm a lost cause, but I'm just like, I'm comfortable doing things the way that I've been doing them. So it's fine. Like I, yeah, just, I don't really need to bother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just have like a more of an open mind. I just don't necessarily think that anymore, but I'm just like, you know, mm. like, eh, it's fine. You know, it's, uh, I oh yeah. Know. I mean, that is, I, I definitely like relate to that mentality. It's like, I, I felt very strongly about just, uh, learning it for my own sake because I know what I want it to sound like and I can hear it in my head. And when I try to put it into like blobs on a piece of paper, it suddenly like all the passion kind of goes out the window. Yeah. But I don't, I don't believe that. It's kind of like, that's kind of a, what I said to myself as an ex- to excuse myself from ever learning theory. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, it worked. Like I definitely, I never learned theory and I don't really feel bad about that. It doesn't inhibit the creative process, but it's like, I don't know. I think I think there's a time and a place for it. Like, I want to learn, I want to get good enough my instrument that I can actually apply the theory without learning the theory and learning and, and trying to apply the theory to the instrument. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I don't know the first thing about any of that stuff, you know? So uh, people uh, um, that do, like, uh, like, you know, like Chloe from uh, Anna Karenina or like Aaron from oh, yeah. uh, Masanera, like they they would probably oh yeah they would probably be like they sound like idiots right now um, yeah but like it would yeah. be, it would be really awesome to just to have have something in your head and just to just literally be able to uh, just write it down on a piece of paper instead I'm just like humming it into a voice text, you know, or something. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like we're also at that point technologically where, where we can just like hum it into our phones. You know, there's so many yeah. ways of getting totally. around, like having to actually learn stuff. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like just the existence of tabs and that there are infinite tabs on the internet. Yeah. Really proves that you can, the the art of guitar theory no longer exists. You can learn any song, and it's all numbers on the fretboard. It like, you know, and I definitely it, it kind of ties into my belief about a lot of things. In that, at some point, theory just becomes archaic because we the, the the art we make and the thoughts we think evolve past the conditions that the theory was built from. So it, it's kind of like almost obsolete to try to talk about how there's no such thing as B sharp because no one's thinking about like thinking of music like that anymore. The rules have changed and there's so many just people like us that just picked up their instruments and played them until they felt right about it. Yeah. There's probably some kind of other school of thought that can be adopted for those people if they want to learn more structure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be music theory anymore. I just don't think that there's any way, shape, or form to approach, like, music that's, like, wrong, really. You know, I, I just think, yeah. like, yeah, uh, like, I'm really, I don't, I'm not, pra- I'm not a practical um, player in any way, shape, or form in anything that I can play. Like, it's not, 
practical. Like I probably do all the things wrong. I don't, um, but it's like, I don't, I know this is like, you know, bordering on like extreme, like ignorance, but it's like, I just don't, I, 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 I'm like in love with the expression and I'm in love with the, 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 the process and like that, I know that like, it feels like that hurts me in ways like, cause I don't, I don't know how to like riff, you know, I don't know how yeah. to like, do scale. So low. And I don't, um, yeah. And I mean, um, I don't, I don't know how, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not good with like tone necessarily. Like, um, there's people that know like the, how to just like get exactly what they want by just like, like, like a set of like rules or parameters, you know, whereas I have to just sit there and just screw around with everything. Like yes. what feels like forever <laughs> until I'm like, Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. And yeah. you hammer it out, find the thing you actually like about the sound. That's like yeah. yours, you know? And yeah. It's more unique that way to an extent because you get there through these odd means. Yeah. I mean, they used to just call that outsider music and music that you make with no formal training. Hmm. And like, I, I don't think that, uh, there's definitely no wrong way to go about making music. And the process is the process. It's the creative process. It's the artistic process. It's an interpretive, intuitive thing that has nothing to like, you can apply it to the theory, and if that's how you like grow and develop and figure your stuff out more, I'm glad that it works for those people. And like some people, you know, it's the production side that starts to make a lot of sense to them. So they know how to like apply a low pass filter or, you know, raise the bass in the mix to the right level. Or, you know, there's just some, there's so many different technical ways you can go at it or just go right into the tools and get the technicality out of it that you need. It's a it's a fluid scape of tools as opposed to this like very structured thing. Which yeah. is very nice. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't know, you know. It's it's um you know, may, there maybe there's there'll be some time where I will I'll sit down and I I will be like, Okay, I don't need to finish an album right now um so i i'll learn how to do this other thing instead um but i i i don't know i'm always in the i'm always in that other yeah. space um but uh yeah um so once you started um you know playing and you got your first guitar uh how how long did you play like more seriously before you did find some people that uh you could start a band with um, it, I would say it probably took another year. Like, so I got the guitar in, in freshman year, mm -hmm. like, right, or it was probably like the summer before. So it was like that summer and then that whole freshman year and then into like just the beginning of sophomore year, I started a band with my friend Parker and then I like, we finally found our drummer like, I started jamming with this drummer a little while ago, and then 
started talking to Parker, and we were like, oh, now we can actually start something real here, because Parker played guitar, I played guitar, found our friend the bassist, and then, like, started the first real band, which was in about sophomore year. And was, um, you were back in Bloomington, you lived in Bloomington at that t- at that point? Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Nothing ever happened in Granville. Yeah. <laughs> that band, the first band that you started, did you like manage to um play any shows or do any recordings with that band? Oh, uh yeah, we we did have a we had a few shows. We had like probably not not many, like four or five and there was a we we did all most of our practicing and had most of our shows at a what was a local youth art collective space called Rhinos. That has now oh, since yeah. been t- destroyed oh, and is now that. gone. I played yeah, in Rhinos uh, in like I played at Rhinos in like nineteen, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nineteen something, you know, nineteen twelve. It was. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was back with Thomas Paine and everyone. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a. I mean, that was that's like that was a local institution. That's oh, that's like sure. how we really formed and played our first shows we were called saltwater okay. it was uh and we actually ended up having some pretty good shows like the we booked the first show i ever booked was colmuvere and the ultimate screamo band oh you played they, like them? yeah oh, on cool. there yeah it was like i just saw they needed like one more date and they were in the midwest and i was like it was like on some facebook group and i was just said hey like we can get you a show and end up playing like us, those two bands, and House Olympics, which was a yeah, but like yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know House Olympics, yeah, Dwayne yeah. and yeah, yeah, all them, Adam and them, and uh, teacher yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool, and cool like that's that's the band. I, I mean, I was so excited to be playing with them because they were the band that like kind of got me into screamo. As the, not not entirely, it wasn't just them, but like I saw one of their shows. And just like became obsessed and listened to all of their releases and emailed them and went to every show and I was just and so when we finally played with them it was like wow this is nice yeah I could they were hitting big I could definitely see I could definitely see that being a, a an important band for you like because uh, you're you're uh, notoriously um, labeling pictures of June as Twinkle Screamo. Yes, and they were. They had some very nice, like, pretty parts and stuff in house. Oh, they were beautiful. I mean, yeah. that was like it, it had that that atmospheric feeling and the nostalgic feeling, but also it was always so like crushing and you know the the fusion of sadness and anger was always the one that I was like, yes, that's the fusion. And there was like a band doing that locally, and I couldn't even believe it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that. Um... Yeah, like real solid, real solid people in that band too. So very cool. Yeah, they were good. They were very nice.
so yeah, that was a pretty cool show. You, uh, Comey Veer and um, the Ultimate Screamer Band, and and uh, so that was like your first show ever, like since the. No, there's there's the first one that I like had a hand in booking oh, the bands booked. that were coming in. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, the other our first show was like at Rhinos. We did a lot of youth showcases because it was like a spectacle. Like, oh look, they're all you know thirteen, fourteen, doing a band. I mean, writing songs. I get that. I get how that could feel like pandering, or uh, maybe that's not the right word, but I get how that could feel like whatever. Um, but at the same time, like you know, there's like we didn't. You know, like when we were younger and stuff, like nobody was doing shit. You know, like so. Oh yeah, no. So it was something to do, right? And you, you got to like, I mean, it was a long way from, you know, doing doing a a one off uh, on a Blitz Blitzkrieg Bop, right? So yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? It was. Um, I mean, it, it it was definitely like coming a big way. I guess. Uh, I guess I kind of had too much hubris because I just felt like. I felt very pandered to, and I think I just wanted to be taken too seriously. Yeah. And I was like, I was trying to make the music really serious, and we were all trying to have like this very dark image, but it was always like, well, in the end, we are 14-year-olds that don't know what we're doing, and I'm glad we're being treated as such. Like, <laughs> Well, that's a pretty was, intense time for, for people, so, you know, it's it's understandable to like, oh, yeah. like you know, like you don't, you know, nobody feels like they're being taken seriously by uh, by um, people that are older than them and stuff. Yeah. And so when you're doing your, when you're doing music and you're like, this is the thing that I do, so that I don't feel like that. And then when you're in an environment where you still kind of feel like that, then you're like, ah, what am I supposed yeah. to do now? You know. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what it really was. It's like I was. I've been trying to feel like I'm not in this baby body and they're reminded that they're showing us off because we are it's like, yeah, but it, I mean, it, it felt, you know, yeah. but I was, I, I feel kind of guilty for not having been as grateful because I just, I mean, I ended up holding like a level of resentment for some of the shows we played. Cause it was with like, I don't know, bands that I didn't like, or, you know, people that used my equipment and broke it or whatever. And, I was just always like so bitter. I was like, ah, we were playing with a band that was like good and made <laughs> us, you know. But then I look back on the recordings of our of that band and any live shows I can scrape up. I'm like, man, we were not good. <laughs> that was a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you had, like you know you had to you had to get all that out of the way so you can do something cool eventually. Um, oh yeah. Well, you said you did some recordings with that band. What? What was that situation like when you were recording with your very first band? Oh, it was, uh, well, it was, it was like iPhones on in recording in basements. It was, oh, okay. yeah, it was, well, we, there was one time when we were going to record like officially like studio record our, for the first saltwater song we had at Rhinos and we were like, we began the tracking process and like we had finished the drums and started the guitar and it, my, you know, my attention just went out the window and it was so hard trying to think of like the finicky, careful, got to get the rhythm, the beat right here. And I just, we just gave up. So nothing like real ever materialized, but 
there's still a band camp <laughs> with with two demos and a live song. Just like the iPhone demos that you're talking about? Yeah. 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 yeah so it was, it was very Was that the was that band sort of like the proto Pictures of June or were there other bands between there and now? That was the only one like that was before Pictures of June. Mm-hmm. It, in a way it really was the proto Pictures of June because uh like Saltwater kind of like we had a we had both our drummer and bassist leave, so it was just me and Parker and we were like, Oh now what? We found another drummer, Noah, who like I ended up forming Pictures of June and I ended up joining. I mean it was like so we, we played together at that Colmuvier show. Noah was the drummer for that set and like now we have a real band together and it's you know, it it means like I just never thought that Noah would become such an integral part of the music that we would make and you know, Noah's the one that like messages the bands that we're friends with and posts all the tweets and runs all the runs all the everything, sets up the shirts and tape everything all the merch being made. It's I mean, Noah does like all of the real legwork and is also just like you know, the one who is I've known and made music with him for such a long time. It's it's crazy. So in 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 that way it was the proto, just because we were like feeling out what it sounds like when we play together. And then by the time Pictures of June actually happened we like had known each other and knew what kind of music we both liked, so there was like enough common ground so that it was like okay, we can work with this. This isn't starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. So what um what happened from like where Noah had joined Saltwater until you're like that band is officially over and you started something new what what went down that that was like was it just like a departure of a certain person or was it like just like um was there a bunch of time in between that or it was like it was kind of just like a a general dissolution uh like it was so hard to keep the band together after our first bassist and drummer dropped out we never found another bassist so when Noah was in the band it was me and Parker playing guitar with Noah. We wrote a batch of new songs. They all kind of blend into one. And none of us liked the music. We we're all like, this is just a mess. We're trying to build something out of nothing. And so eventually Noah just kind of stopped showing up to our meaninglessly long six-hour practices. And Parker and I started making noise music instead of trying to write songs. So I guess you could say there was something in between because... Parker and I ended up actually starting a noise band, which is still happening. We're flesh pile, and we sometimes record and play a couple shows when shows happened, and mm-hmm. you know. So that was that was like, you know there was like kind of an interim, but really a, it, it didn't scratch the itch of not having a band did. And when when that dissolved, I felt extra hopeless. Like, well, the ball goes. <laughs> it's gonna have to keep playing guitar and waiting for someone else to pick up drums one of these days. So how did you decide to get pictures of June going? What was the catalyst there? It was, it was funny because it was just a, 
Noah made a Facebook post asking if there was a there were any guitarists that wanted to join his emo band. <laughs> I was like, I'm a guitarist. I listen to all all of the emo, every kind of it. So I think I might be qualified. And I just replied to the comment, and we like we met up and jammed a couple days later. And Backsteps was written that first practice. Okay. And then it just like we were like, oh yeah, huh. well, guitarists here. There was already a bassist, uh, Jacob. I hadn't met Jacob until that first practice, and we are are now very good friends as well as just a musical, very very close musically. Make a lot of music together just in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, so it was, it was just like that Facebook post. Really, was what what did it? <laughs> it's like, and, and and then once you get back together, you're just kind of like, well, why didn't we just do this in the first place? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so was that show that you booked for us in Plague Walker, was that your first show? Yeah, it was. Okay, I thought so. That was a very, yeah, very was, good time that night. Yeah, that was a great that was a great night. It was a great show. It, it was a, we were all over the moon that happened. It was like a three-day shuffle of messaging the local bands and sweeping out the place, getting the flyers up. It was all like, it was a flash, but it was, I mean... Wouldn't have wanted it any other way. And to have our first show with with Plague Walker and, and Sean Decker, wow, what a what an achievement. Oh, come on. Uh but uh no, I think I, I think it's just it's wild, you know, because um like yeah, we were just we had just had so many things like line up and fall through and line up and fall through. And so we were like in Houston or something the day before. It was, yeah, it was like some thirteen-hour drive for us to get there, and we were just like, nuts. we were like, fuck it. Um, and we got there, and it was it was great, and y'all were great, and it was just like a good time all all together. Um, yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Um, so from there, like you know, you're playing shows, and uh, and uh, you start um you know, um, getting your songs ready. And then you, you came up here and I recorded y'all. That was really, yeah, that was Um, beautiful. Yeah. It was a a good time. Um, and then, you know, you know, I know it was like, it was like February or maybe it was even like January or December, like late last year. But, Y'all were like, "Oh, we're gonna be ready with some more songs um, to to come back and record," and then like this happens. Um, but you did. You went and recorded a new thing with West Meadows, right? Yeah. And, yeah, we uh, did. Yeah, and that that turned out really good. What was that? What was what was recording over there with West like? It was great. It was very. Um... It was very casual. It was a, a fairly similar setup to yours, just yeah. like down in the, in the basement of a semi-communal house, but you know, with a with like with masks on and some distance between us. Although, you know, how much when it's recording with someone and it's like a multi-hour thing, I mean, we slept there. It's not like you could get that distance, but yeah. being as careful as we could, and it was a. It was just, it was a very good time. It was a it was an interesting process because like all of the recording was so quick. 
not quick, but like, and or not, and not slap side. It was just like, I don't know. I felt like we hammered things out pretty quickly. So it, it was all just most of it was done that afternoon, like from like around three thirty to like ten thirty. Was that first was like we recorded like almost everything, all the vocals and guitars and drums, and just finished the bass in the morning. And then it was like just like one overnight. It was all very quick. I think we all we we all just wanted it to be quick, and that's kind of the, the pictures of June ethic. It's it's like well, first take, best take. <laughs> Not yeah. quite, but you know, just like we we just wanted it done. We've been sitting on that EP for months and months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a real like. You know, that's like one of those things where I'm sure that there are people that that it's like some some situations are more like conducive to um, like so social distance, distancing like type environments and stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's very like if there's. You know, if it's somewhere where they have like rooms built and there's an outside entrance and you know, blah blah blah. And it, but it's like, yeah, with my, with my situation is like, this, I, here's where I record, and that's a room back there where my kids go and play Legos, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's, um, so yeah, it, if I ha if I was the if I was in a situation where I did this for money, I'm sure I could figure something out, you know, like, um, and, and, uh, um, that, that's really cool that people are still figuring out like the safest way to like, you know, do this stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just really like glad that, um, by the time this is happening that there's been as much like advancement in home recording and stuff as there has, you know, so that oh, yeah. people can still, you know, um, do, do the, you know, continue to make music, even if we can't, uh, play shows, you know, for people and stuff. Totally. Yeah. Music can still be released and people can still enjoy and yeah. yeah. feel like there's still something happening in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else is, um, what else is going on in your day-to-day -day life lately? Um, are you, are you still, like, do y'all still practice writing new songs? Um, are you just... Oh, yeah. We're in a, we're in a pretty big creative period right now. We're gonna, we're, we're like, kind of setting down tracks on writing an LP. So we're, we've got a lot of ideas. We've got, like, three songs mostly done in the works two and a half out of like probably eight or nine we've been practicing we, we practice like a couple times a week just us three in our practice space and you know it's just been like a, a deep writing period because all we have to do is kind of just like be around and you know we write the parts ourselves and then come to practice and fit parts together and write parts for other parts and it's all uh it's like anything we can do to keep our brains off of it. In general, I mean, we, uh, like, so that's kind of like a, a group, a, a closed group that I'm in socially. So we're all 
kind of quarantined together between a couple of houses. It's like me, my partner, and then a couple of friends. So we all just kind of, you know, sit on porches and watch the cars go by. And tonight we're going to watch the debate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, I, you'd think that I learned from the last one, but I really just like, I really just want to like see, I, I want to watch enough of it to where you see if, and I mean, of course, by the time this airs, everybody will know the answer to this, but I really just want to see if someone just like straight up comes off their podium and just goes to, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I just do not see this happening like in it. They're like, oh, we'll shut off their mics. This will control these, you know, man children. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I just think who knows what we'll see. But um, Oh yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's like, you know, watching, like watching monkeys fight mixed with watching paint dry mixed with watching the world end because it's all kind of on the backs of these people, you know, and I, I mean, I'm kind of just watching for the memes because I'll see them happen in real time. Then it'll be interesting. I'll be like, ha ha, that <laughs> happened. I remember that. And you know, ha ha, it's all going to end. The world is ending. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I have, I have actual children, you know, and so yeah, just like the, just the fact that like people that are in in charge of like trillions of dollars of fake resources and you know and real resources too, but like you know what I'm saying, like yeah, the fact that people that are in charge of all this behave like that you know obviously it's pretty mind-blowing but um yeah um you know what um what do you you know what's what's the the biggest thing that you you know that you like focusing on right now like is it just is it just like writing this lp is that what's like really keeping you like uh in the game you know as far as like you know, trying to wait out um, till bands can play shows and, you know, get back to that kind of thing? Yeah, it's mostly, it's been, it's been a lot of just, like, writing anything I can. I Today I downloaded, I got a computer recently and downloaded GarageBand, so I started making electronic music. Uh, so I'm kind of focusing on that a little bit more, a little bit now for the first time. Just like, let's see what happens if I try to make a, uh, beaten this and you know I, I try to I've been applying myself more deeply in my relationships so I'm very close to my partner he's gotten you know I, I I love them so much and hold them so dear to me and it's been a great experience in that regard and aside from that really has just been like writing the <clears throat> writing the LP and writing whatever songs and making plans with other bands to do splits in the future and talk about, you know, talking bull sessions about tours when they start back up, like, oh, I can't wait to see you and tour in the Northeast in a million billion years <laughs> with every band. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. It's been a lot of just, like, closed eye ideation and whatever whatever writing that, can, that comes out that actually seems worth something. Yeah. 
And that was my conversation with Wilder Mouton. Thanks so much, Wilder, for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks also to everyone that's offered their support on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Middleman Records if you'd like to check that out. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>